In business and life, relationships are everything. Welcome to the People Catalysts podcast, where we interview top business leaders and learn how they build relationships with their teams, clients, and those that promote and refer them. Here's your host, business trainer and leader of the People Catalyst team, Carla Nelson. And welcome to the People Catalyst podcast, Mr. Kevin Notstein. Hello. Hello, hello, sir. How are you today? I'm enjoying life. Oh, pretty yourself? fantastic. I'm really enjoying this podcast series. So just to give all of our listeners a little bit of a background, uh, we decided to have Kevin on the podcast to talk about the seven sources of authority and how to lead like a boss. We had so much fun. We decided to add on a couple other podcasts, and this is now a four-part series, and the Part two we just went through was how to work as a team like a boss. And for today, we are going to discuss and finish up. That was a total of 10 steps. Uh, so we had five more to go. We did five on the last podcast because it's, uh, you know, it's hard to take in all 10 in, in just a 25-minute session where, where we try to keep our podcasts at so they're digestible from your uh, drive from home to work or wherever you're headed. So we're going to finish up how to work as a team like a boss. And if you haven't heard the previous two podcasts, just to let you know a little bit about Kevin Notstein, he was an officer in the Air Force for 21 years. He was active duty. Um, he currently still teaches his special ops groups uh, and air crew how to fly the same mission that he flew in Afghanistan and Iraq. And basically these missions are how to find bad guys and tell the good guys where they are. So if you think about the bin Laden raids, uh, they are this thing called a stack and the MC-12, the particular plane uh, that Kevin instructs and teaches others on, is at that top of the stack. He is also one of the co-founders and a master trainer of the People Catalyst. And so he, lastly, is a prover shaker. So he does have a secondary shaker, but he leads with his prover. So thanks so much for your time today and joining us on the show. No, oh, it's my pleasure. I love to teach, and I greatly appreciate the opportunity to do that here on, on awesome. the Awesome. Okay, let's jump right into it. We already went through the first five. Did you want to go through the first five? Uh, just a little bit of an overview, just to give those who might not have listened to that podcast. We won't go into depth, but maybe just identify them and uh, and um, sum them up really quickly. If you if you want to go listen to the previous podcast, you can find it right there on the website and take it away, Kevin. Uh, thank you much. That's a good idea to put it in some context. Now, the big picture on what these are, the what the what the special ops community calls these is human factors traps. <laughs> and these are the traps. And we did this on the other podcast. Uh, yeah. English. <laughs> we came up with a couple different names. I can't remember what they were, but... Yep. Uh, but the, well, the, these traps, are, they're mistakes that people can make. It's uh, common mistakes that can lead to an unhealthy team. And the, as Carla said, there's 10 different ones. That, and in the, the, in the previous podcast, we talked about those first five. They were excessive professional courtesy, you know, which is basically saying, oh, that's the boss. And he said so. Therefore, I'm not willing to challenge the boss. And, tell, you know, uh, nobody's willing to tell the, emperors that he, the emperor that he's yes. not wearing any clothes. Yep, yep. You know, just the classic tale there. The next one was a halo effect, and that was, ah, this person was outstanding over at this other position, so obviously he's going to do jo a good job in whatever new position we put him in. 
And uh, well, that doesn't always happen the way that you hope it would. The, second, the third one then was the passenger syndrome or the copot syndrome. And that's where ah, somebody else has got it. Somebody else is doing a great job. And if they are, it's real easy just to sit back and coast and not, do your, not be fully engaged with your job or not have that employee engagement just because you have somebody, that, somebody else that is running with the ball. So that was the third one. The fourth one was the hidden agenda. And that hidden agenda is saying, you know what, I've got something else in my mind, a reason what I'm making the decisions based on, and it may not lead to the best decisions. You know, you're sitting there in the meeting and you've got your kid's recital that you want to get to. So you're willing to accept whatever they say just to get out of the meeting so you can go watch your, your, uh, your daughter mm -hmm. go play the piano or or something like that. And then the last one is the accommodation syndrome. That's what, uh, you know what? it's really high risk business for us to go and do whatever event, you know, buy a new building or buy a new business or something like that. And, and the first time you do it, you're like, wow, this is a lot of risk involved. In it. And then it works. Okay, let's do it again. Let's do it again. And each iteration, each time you go and do that same thing, it's just as risky, but you don't, uh, you, you're desensitized to how much risk happens on it over time. So we had good examples of those in the first podcast. So that's the accommodation center. So that's our first. Awesome. Podcast. Well, let's <laughs> jump right in to number six. Okay. Number six. And this one, where that last one we just talked about, the uh, accommodation syndrome, that's more of a strategic, that's a long range. And over time, ah, we've done it so many times. And over the last couple of years, we've done this. It could never bite us in the butt. Okay. Well, this next one is called the accident zone model. And this is a little more tactical. This is more down. Uh, you, okay. I've got this meeting that's been going on. I don't have any, any hidden agenda. So I'm willing to be in this meeting for the long haul, but you know what? After two to three hours of being in this meeting, well, <laughs> everyone's been in that meeting. Yes. As Alan, our co-founder, Alan likes to put it, it's that meeting where it's like, oh, it's 12 o'clock, it's one o'clock, it's two o'clock, it's three o'clock, it's three o'clock, it's three o'clock, it's three o'clock. <laughs> the clock doesn't seem to move when you're longer into the meeting. Well, when you get to that phase in flying airplanes, after you've been flying a plane for three, four, five, sometimes seven, nine hours, or some of, uh, of my friends have flown missions for 24 uh. hours in the same. But when you're in that meeting or you're in that mission or you're in the zone for that long, you're going to get tired and you can very easily make mistakes as you grow. Yeah. You know what that reminds me of is there's a, model. we got to come up with a different name for the accident zone <laughs> model. It's like, <laughs> how how fatigue and stress can make you make mistakes there we go we'll have to we'll have to send that one into the air force um <laughs> it reminds me of a story spoken like a true prover <laughs> um it reminds me of the story that you know we went into and we just love this story because it's representative of every other stinking meeting that everyone has been in and knows and everyone always laughs when we teach and train this piece because they believe they can't change it so they just deal with it right and this is the meeting that uh you know alan was the lead on and basically hired in an innovation meeting to sit there be quiet and see what happens and so that happened and it was like two and a half hours of ridiculousness and we always uh, um, 
say it's like a skeet shoot, right? Anybody ever seen skeet? Idea, bang, idea, bang, idea, bang, idea, bang, just going back and forth and back and forth. And Alan's just sitting here. He's dying in this meeting. And all he's doing is getting paid to like be there and listen to it. And at the end of the meeting, the, uh, the gentleman who hired us uh, said, okay, so what's the report? Annie's report, oh, that's easy. He says 37 to 36. And the guy looks at Alan like, are you nuts? What are you talking about? 37 to 36, what kind of report is that? He goes, there was 37 ideas, 36 of them got shut down and everybody was so fatigued and tired from being in that meeting that they picked the most mediocre last idea that came up so that they could escape from the meeting. <laughs> Exactly. They were in the, they were deep into the accident. Yes. And, and you think that that idea actually had any chance of success. Yeah. And the other thing is, it's kind of interesting because when you think of it as flying an aircraft that, you know, there, it's super like you're going to crash and you could kill everybody and yourself. But you think about that in corporate America and it affects even your relationships with other people it affects doing those types of things affects you know how people show up in a meeting uh, rolling their eyes are they engaged are they not i mean that piece if you're not aware of all of those different stimulus that basically you know being tired and and stressed and um that how it affects everything else and so i always say culture is what you do you can't create culture you can't make a and well, uh, to add to what you always say, it's not what you do, it's what you do every yes, day. Yes, exactly. Every day. Okay, this is great. Let's move on to the next one. Okay, the next one. Uh, this is um, the strength of an idea. Hey, that's not too bad of a title. Okay. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, uh, unfortunately, I don't, I, I've got an example of this one we're going to talk about, and it's not quite as uh, fun to laugh at. It's a bit of a serious one. It, uh, sometimes serious, you can have some rough things that happen. Now, first off, what the strength of an idea is, and that's when you, uh, you have an idea and you're like, ah, this is the way things are. And you have just such a strong mindset that you think something mm -hmm. is going on when it is not what's going on uh -huh. at all. And, you, and it's so strong in your mind and you're not willing to question your own thing. You're not, you're, everybody's just, hey, let's just go along. Yep, th this is the idea. That's what we're going to run with. You never hear that now, in business. I, I've got a... <laughs> Yeah, I've got a pretty rough example of this that you may have heard of. A lot of people have heard about this. A couple of years ago in Afghanistan, we had a, a military aircraft called an AC-130 gunship. And these planes are extremely good at, well, what we've, what we like to call uh, bringing down the hate. <laughs> they can unload some serious amount of hate on something and they can destroy the bad guys like you have never seen before. It's a very impressive piece of machinery. And... But when uh, this particular example on this day, you may have heard about it, there was a hospital in Afghanistan and the crew on the AC-130 misidentified Aww. the hospital. And there was some miscommunication. There was some miscommunication where um, the guys on the ground said, hey, we're being pinned down. We're in a firefight. We're taking fire from this location. And there's a lot of details that went into this. And there's, a, there's a, without getting into the details, the bottom line, they were given one set of coordinates and said, hey, right here is where the hospital is. Or, or excuse me, right here is where the bad guys are. 
And the and when you look at the coordinates, that they were given a set of coordinates at one place. The bad guys were not exactly there. It was a little bit off where they were. The guys are being shot at that sent the coordinates. So you can mess yeah, it. Well, because, oh, the there. previous one, the accident zone model. The stress was the ability to handle stress. Well, in the stressful situation, right? And we just learned about that one. You know what? And you know what? That's a great point because the guys on the ground had been there for four days. Oh, my gosh. Four days of constant fire, constant uh, things going on. And now all of a sudden they're taking fire from another location and it was in the middle of a city. And uh, sometimes in the city it can be hard to find things on the ground. And the aircraft, there had been some people shooting at them. So they were actually nine miles away. They're a lot further away than you normally are and at a lower altitude. And it gets into some of the technicalities. It can be hard to find things on the ground. And they're given coordinates that weren't exactly right. But the coordinates they are given, unfortunately, the way the camera was looking from those coordinates, in the background, they saw that it was at night, and they saw this large lit-up compound. They're like, oh, they're taking fire from somewhere. We're looking at this area. What we see in our camera from the coordinates they give us is this nice compound that's very lit up and really sticks out amongst everything else. That must be where the bad guys are. So then they get eyes on the compound and they describe the compound to the guys on the ground and said, yep, we see a T-shaped building with a bunch of people and it's pretty well lit. And the guys that goes, uh, yeah, that's your target. Everybody there is bad. They're shooting at us. And there, and we teach people how to avoid this. And they, they didn't follow any of the standard protocol on this. They messed up a lot of things. So there were a whole bunch of errors. Well, yeah, number six definitely way. drove number seven. Yes. Yes, it did. And they, uh, that accident zone model of number six drove the strength of an idea in number seven. And that their idea was that compound they were looking at was the hostels, was the bad people. Well, it turned out it wasn't hostels. It was Ugh. a hospital. And they did what the AC-130 gunship does well, which is bring the hate. And they it's unbelievable the amount of firepower that they brought onto that uh, onto there because they were being told by somebody incorrectly that yes, those were the bad guys engage. You were cleared to engage and take them all out. And unfortunately there are 37 people that died. Oh, that that's incident. horrible. And it, it, yeah. And not just that, and not just the deaths, but just the international well, and things. Not only I mean, that, that person is an accident. And it's like, yeah, that's why war stinks, you know? Um, and in business, of course, that is definitely not, Oh, I would almost venture to say never the case unless, um, you know, somebody gets hurt, right? People do get hurt at work and look, the crab fishermen's right. I mean, they probably could learn from yep. this because that is the, you know, what do they call that? It, um, the deadliest catch, you know, it's like the most, uh, yep, you know, exactly. more people die that are fishing crab in Alaska than, um, any other job. And so in most things in corporate America, that's not the case, but it's still really important that you understand that the strength of an idea and really how that perception of what's happening in your decision-making and how those two things can really mess things up, right? In your business. And that's why you train to this guys, by the way, that's why we're going through the podcast series with this is because there's no better training than the military. That's what these guys do day in and day out. And look, they can even mess it up, right? So, um, and yes. boy, four days on the ground, I don't know. They should have probably taken those yeah. guys or gotten them out somehow sooner than that. That would be, I, I'd be so disorientated. I don't even know how I could do that. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden you're already scared. 
you're already disorientated. And now all of a sudden calling in coordinates for, you know, getting help. Well, obviously you want to get help. It's just a really tough situation, you know, yes, but so proactively so. we can learn from those exact things in business. So, okay. On to, and, 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 and the, in business, it's the strength of an idea, but uh, what you want to have to counteract that is a healthy skepticism. You know, you look at something, we're about to do some serious, something that's a serious that's move. We're going to go in and purchase. <laughs> we're, yes, we're going to buy a hundred million dollar office building. Uh, yep. That's the right thing to do. Let's go and do it. Let's go and do it. Let's go and do it. Oh, the environmental survey said that there's something going on with the foundation or the, uh, this area. Uh, you know what? Uh, uh, we, that's what we're going to do. Let's run forward and do it. Had a friend of mine that happened to, and he ended up over a year that he was trying to settle the environmental issues with the property. That exactly. So you got to do your due diligence, get your details. There's this wonderful process we actually teach for the strength <laughs> of an idea. If you want to check it out, it's called the hoodoo method. So, okay, let's move on to the next one. Number eight. Okay. Okay. This one's, a, this one's the wild card. This is a little bit of a wild card of what are the traps or what are the mistakes people can make. And it's just a, a sudden loss of judgment. And you know what? Every now and then, and, and uh, for lack of a better term, I'm sorry, I'm going to use something that's not uh, completely comfortable, but uh, it's a term, you can call this a brain fog. <laughs> Everybody knows that. <laughs> hey, there you go. We just renamed number eight. <laughs> brain fog. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay. Yeah, and I will give you just a simple little example. This is your sudden loss of judgment where you're, you're going along fat, dumb, and happy. Everything is okay. But all of a sudden, from out of the blue, you make a stupid decision and you just do something that's not smart or somebody else does. Of course, you wouldn't. You know, I, I would never do that. And I know Carla and, and all of our listeners here know they would never do something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but somebody you work with may go and do something like that. And uh, had somebody that I worked with, I wasn't on this flight, but we had a pilot. He was flying from, uh, from one country to another. He had a, about a two-hour flight over the water, so there's no airports or anything else around. And it's actually a pretty benign, nothing's going on. They got the autopilot on. And the guy actually happened to be an Uber prover, and he's deep in thought, and he's analyzing what's going on. He started thinking about things. Well, he got so lost in his thoughts that he had a sudden loss of judgment. And he started wondering about the systems, and he was going, what would happen if I did this? Well, what did he do? He's at 28,000 feet over the water, and he reached over and shut off all electrical systems <laughs> on the plane. What? <laughs> on purpose? Yeah, just out of blue, I, kind of. <laughs> When you look at it, it is my, it, yeah, he, and he reached well, over. Think about how would you guys do simulations and trainings for certain things? I mean, he's just sitting there, you know, when you're cruising up there, you're, there's not much to do. There's plenty to look at. It's pretty, but it looks all the same for the most part up there. Uh, yeah. And he is out over the ocean and just not a lot to see or do. Did he he's have a co-pilot with thoughts him? And reach over. Oh. Yeah. And, I, and I'm surprised he's still alive after <laughs> <laughs> the cult. So what are you doing? Oh, my yeah. gosh. Did he so recover that, from it? This is. Yeah. Yeah, they did. A plane will still fly without electrical power. It's going like to keep flying with no problem. No, uh, both engines are still running. Oh, Everything okay. the is engines still are going. flying. The lift is still off. being provided. Everything is still so working So he just flipped the switch back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. That's a good one. Then, then yeah. 
yeah. So just that sudden loss of judgment. And that's kind of, now there's a lot of things that can lead to a sudden loss of judgment. That brings us to number, to, uh, number nine on this list. And some of the things that can lead to that sudden loss of judgment are hazardous. Oh, attitudes. you know what? We could just call it a bad attitude. Bad <laughs> hazardous. Instead hazardous, of hazardous, hazardous yeah. attitude. It's a bad attitude. You, you got to show oh, your vocabulary okay. to them. But, you know. <laughs> All right, and uh, there's a lot of hazardous attitudes there, and uh, in fact, this is actually probably worthy of its own podcast of getting in depth into some of these. But just to highlight at the top level what they are, just some of them: anti-authority. You know, uh, just not digging the boss. Resignation. Oh, well, you know, that's Eeyore is all about the resignation. This is the Well, way and that's also is. engagement, right? Like if there's so many things that could have somebody and that's similar to passenger syndrome. Listen to me. Oh my gosh, I'm learning a whole bunch of stuff on here. Um, the, <laughs> but it's also, you know, everybody resigns for different reasons. And that's the crazy part about this. Like shakers resign because it wasn't their idea. Movers resign because nothing's going to happen anyway. And I'm not in charge of being able to facilitate this with a process. Process. You know, approvers uh, resign because there's too much wrong with it, and makers resign because they got real work to do back at their desk. So, what's interesting, and we will wrap up the last podcast on going through each of these because I think attitude, it's like if you could fix that one, people are open to training, they're open to learning more, they're opening themselves. So, this is a super important piece uh, that we'll be doing a full podcast on how do you, you know, solutions for those different issues with bad attitudes because people some people start out with a bad attitude because they have a bad attitude okay i would say most people <laughs> end up with a bad attitude because of an experience that they're having that is a negative experience and then that leads to whatever what were their percentages of the employee engagement one we did on the last podcast 53% of employees are disengaged 13 are actively disengaged, basically working against you. That 66% are unengaged and 70% hate their job in the US, 89% worldwide. And that's Gallup, that's not me saying it. And so I think resignation is a really interesting one. We'll dive deeper definitely into that uh, on the last podcast to give you some solutions for the attitude challenge, because I think we label it attitude, bad attitude, but that could be an outcome, not somebody's natural. You know, if you tell somebody, approver every single day, gosh, you're Debbie Downer and write a book about how to deal with them, um, that they're Eeyore, that they're negative Nelly, that, you know, all of these things, how do you think that's going to make them feel? They're not going to want to be engaged. You're not allowing them to do the thing that they're brilliant at, right? And you know, I'm 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 going to let the cat out of the cat out of the bag just a little bit. And one of our future podcasts we're going to be doing is, is something that we developed called the Ten Rules of oh, Business. Oh, that would be a good one to and, do, huh? <laughs> yes, and Rule Six, uh, without talking about the others right now. Rule Six: Your attitude determines how yes, far you so go. so true. And that, oh my goodness, you know what I'm thinking of? Now going back to the first podcast. In this series, we talked about uh, influence authority. And so go back to the first podcast. If you listen to that, all of this, it, these pieces are all parts of a bigger puzzle and they drive every other piece. So we really encourage you, make sure you listen to all four parts of the podcast that are created in a way that are easily digestible and you can see how 
they, they drive each other and also how you can use the hoodoo method within the situations uh, to be able to first, you know, figure out how you get that authority, how you're positioning yourself as a leader and moving between those different authorities uh, and then the kind of authorities and then going through how do you coordinate a team and make sure that you don't make mistakes when you're working a team. These are all designed to interact with the hoodoo method. So go ahead. You have a couple more here on the attitude. Yep. Yeah, some of those bad attitudes or the hazardous attitudes, uh, invulnerability or uh, macho or uh, machismo. That never uh, happens impulsivity. in the military. Yeah. No. <laughs> it can. But the, my bad one, impulsivity. <laughs> uh, I, yes. <laughs> and working with a prover and a thinker, by the way, on both sides, uh, the thinking aspect of it, um, the prover and shaker because they're in their head they can like go skippity doo da skippity yay i mean it's like <laughs> I, and i it's funny because when we have meetings kevin Allen and i frequently we weekly have meetings um that is one thing i'm like okay guys focus i love you but your skippity doo da's is skipping out right it's time to get <laughs> something done which then leads to my biggest challenge with hazardous bad attitudes. I guess Listen, I call it hazardous. That is a good, hazardous is actually better than bad because an attitude of wanting to get something done, you're right. Like mistakes can happen. But if I called it a bad attitude, I'm typically happy when I'm trying to get something done. It's not a negative <laughs> thing to me, right? No, this last one that what Carla's talking about there, get something done, is the the sixth hazardous or bad attitude you can have. And and well, my bad one is impulsivity. Uh, a very dear friend, uh, dear uh, member of our group, is get there itis. <laughs> yeah, in flying airplanes, that's I'm I'm here at location A. And come hell or high water, at the end of the day, I want to be at location B, and I want to just get there and oh, get it done. Guilty. So in flying, sometimes you're willing to uh, make that mistake. In the business world, that get there itis, we're going to talk about this more in the next uh, episode, is I just want it done. we got to get across the finish line. But once you get across the finish line, there's another finish line, and then another one. But get there itis. So Carla, did you know no, anything about that? No, no, not at all. Haha, <laughs> just kidding. It's my worst. Definitely on all of those. I would say I'm pretty great on the other ones, but that one I have like just today, I could probably tell you that that, you know, and the problem with get there itis that I've learned and we'll go again, as Kevin said, deeper in the next podcast is when I realized I was a driver and I had get there itis as a mover. And so you could just leave dead bodies behind you. If you don't understand it and you don't understand first your authority you have with people and then you're a driver and you're in charge and you have get there itis, you can make all sorts of mistakes. It's about engaging the team. You know, we need everybody. We need you at different times, but we need everybody. And get there itis is really, you know, you're going to see that way more with the mover and the maker, but they have a different form of get there itis, right? Um, so yes, we'll go deeper into the podcast because your attitude is super, super important. And it kind of drives all of these other things because when that's not happening, you're opening yourself up to listen, to hear, and to learn. So, okay. Take us home with number two. No, uh, Carla, uh, before we jump into that one, I do got to say you're, you're doing an outstanding job. I teach this for a living. Uh, I, uh, well, and the people catalyst so is one of the things I've done for many years. We can't, years couldn't take, we living. couldn't pry Kevin out of an airplane if we tried. He, 
he has to include it in his his uh, you know in in training. He loves training people. So yes, he. Although we've had the opportunity to work with some of the uh, military teams as well, which is super cool, and overlays the hoodoo method quite frequently with it. Um, so yeah, we we would not want to take well, Kevin yep. out of that completely because he would not be um, happy. <laughs> it's not what I do; yep. it's who I am. <laughs> That's funny. But, no. Now, uh, the reason I bring this up is I have taught these principles and concepts to hundreds, if not thousands, of aircrew members over the last 20 years mm -hmm. that I've been teaching a lot of these concepts. Now, and your ability to pick this up and connect the dots between the different aspects of this, of talking about, oh, if we connect this one with that one, it was oh, truly thanks. impressive. It's like I'm a trainer or something, right? <laughs> well, do you know what? And this is a good thing to actually talk about for a second is, you know, you never want to think you know so much that you're, you become a danger to yourself and everyone else around you. Because the more that I learn, the more that I learn that there's so much I don't know. And I think, you know, when it comes down to training, the military is definitely the detail on, I mean, they could kill you with the paper cuts, uh, right? But at the same time, yes. you know, applying this, they've been doing this a long time. Their job is to train every single day. There is a lot that we can learn from that. And then also opening ourselves to continually learn and how we can do this and teach this to the team so that they have a tool in their toolbox, right? So if somebody is having a hazardous attitude um, that you can say, you know, that's kind of like this, and it looks like you're doing this and let's have a conversation around that because what happens is it empowers everybody to kind of keep everybody else in check. So it's super cool. I love it. Thank you. I appreciate that. No, my pleasure. Okay. And then the last one, uh, error chain. Now uh, uh, the error chain, we've, so, well, oh, so what we've we're talking seen... about like one mistake compiles on something else. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, a good example of this, we talked earlier about that example of that C-130 in Afghanistan or the, the AC-130. Do you think that was the only mistake of the night where uh, the only thing that happened wrong was they misidentified that location? Yeah. No, not at all. There is a whole series of mistakes or small little things or different things that add up uh, over yep. time. And it and one mistake, and it can start from hey, you did the wrong little checklist item here, or or on that same sortie on that one earlier in the day, one of their pieces of equipment is a very important communications equipment. Their satellite link back to their support personnel broke, and so they lost their satellite link back home. And they also had some miscommunication that happened with the crew at another part, and they had another piece where someone wow, there was like one crew member accident that zone, and then the strength of an idea. Not passenger syndrome. I wouldn't say that one, right? Because they weren't just sitting around, yeah. you know, eating bonbons. That's for sure. So, but yeah, a whole that lot happened. Of that drove that, happened that led up. Mm -hmm. One. Yep. And that's the error chain that can lead to that big mistake of that company having to declare bankruptcy because of a whole multitude of mistakes that happen along yep. the way. Yep. So you got to break that chain somehow when it's happening, for sure. Awesome. All right. Well, Kevin, is there any last uh, comments that you'd like to make before we wrap up the third part of a four-part series in 
how to lead like a boss, even though this one is how to well, lead a team like a boss. Yep, uh, on this one, this is all about those uh, errors that you can make yourself or recognizing other people and just knowing that these all exist. And now you want to create a culture and think about uh, avoiding each of these different traps that can pull you into a bad situation. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being on the show and make sure you check out the first and second part of this fourth part series. And we'll be wrapping up the final series next week where we're going to dive a little bit deeper into number nine, which was hazardous attitudes. Thank you again, Kevin. Thank you for listening to the People Catalyst podcast. And remember, it's a good life.